0: to a special interview episode
1: of They Live By Film. Adam here just doing a quick introduction to the interview. Uh, this week, Chris was super lucky to sit down with Jared Honor, the head of e-commerce and social at Mondo Macabro. They had a really great conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, okay, well, really, really lucky to, to have Jared Honor here from Mondo Macabro. Uh, does wears many hats, uh, primarily you know kind of works on the, the web store and uh, mail orders and, and social media for them so uh super excited to have this conversation jared
0: so thanks so much for joining no problem really happy to be here thanks for having
1: me yeah and you saw some of the questions i sent over there's a lot of people on reddit that are really excited about this too um you know monomacabro fills this really interesting role uh, um strictly speaking from kind of the reddit collector community now, uh, here where every time there's a label that comes up of you know uh you know what are some other labels i should get into the, the people that are the loudest are always the ones that are like you have to go to mondo macabro yeah. like talking about them they do amazing work
0: yeah we're sort of the uh the uh collector the video collector fiends video collector fiend label i mean the, like you know we're not as well known as some of the bigger guys like arrow or vinegar syndrome or severin but you know if you've fallen deep down into the well of collecting you've You've probably hit your head on some of our stuff a few times, uh, yeah. And that, that's exciting to hear, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's about to change though uh, as, as people start looking for that more and more, right? But at the same time, you've been around for at least, is it at least 20 years?
0: Yeah, Mondo Macabre has been around, yeah, for, yeah, I mean, I think, God, it might almost be 20 years this year. Um, I think the first release may have come out either in 2001 or 2002, um, yeah. in the UK, it would have been Alucarda, the Mexican film Alucarda, in the UK, yeah. and it came out a, a one or two years later in the US. Yeah,
1: yeah that's amazing, and, but previous to that, obviously there's a long history even before that related to uh, actually like literally writing the book on sort of genre cinema and world cinema, right? Like the crazy side of world cinema,
0: Right, yeah. So, yeah, that's Pete. That's Pete Toomes. He's the founder of Mondo Macabre. Uh, he founded it along with Andy Stark. Um, Pete wrote the books Immoral Tales, which is about European films, and uh, and Mondo Macabre, which is about sort of uh, more worldwide films, particularly Asia and South America. Um, so, yeah, so he wrote those books, and at the same time, roughly around the same time, he was getting into... Um, Having his own video labels in the UK, um, first VHS, of course, and then DVD, and that was pay. Uh, if anyone um, is familiar with that, they they put out um, you know a lot of European stuff and uh, some of the uh, Japanese Roman porno things. Um, some of the first you know time those some of those things were released in the UK or, or anywhere outside of their home country. So. Um, yeah. Kind of interesting, but yeah. So so yeah, that's pete That's really who you should be interviewing. He's just so busy uh, all the time that um, it's kind of just fallen to me to talk to. So I, I apologize for that. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> no, instead of Pete Toombs, but
1: no, it, you know this is so. This is kind of turned into so. So we just a quick background on us. So we started uh, a podcast. that Literally was just doing kind of like a, a film club that we have on. On, uh, on Reddit, and then we started a discussion based off of the films we we're seeing. And the three of us happened to be collectors, and so we started talking about our own collections. And then after doing that for about eight times or so, we're like, well, let's just reach out to the industry and see if anybody will kind of talk about, you know, like, let's try to find some people that are actually representing these companies that we're buying from, you know? Sure. Yeah. and And so honestly, like, through this journey, which didn't really have a grand plan to begin with, it's been amazing to talk to people that are, On the physical production side, like kind of like the operation side, I guess, of the business, Um, some restoration folks, uh, some some marketing sales folks, like it's it's different perspectives that are all incredibly uh, uh, helpful in painting the picture of like what goes into these things that we buy for fifteen to forty bucks, depending on the format and the the sale. Um, So I it's it's honestly it's it's a really honor to speak to you and and you so after they started company what when did you kind of get plugged in
0: um so i mean i was just a fan uh i mean i'm just like you or anyone else who might listen to this i was just a fan and am still just a fan really uh i in the the mid to late 2000s i ran a blog called world weird cinema um that i know some people may have heard of i i mean I was always surprised by the amount of people that would actually tell me they'd read it here and there, but um, it wasn't a big thing, and, it was, and I didn't update it enough to ever become super famous with it or anything like that. But one of the things that I did do was try to, uh, to, to push Mondo Macabro stuff. They were the, one of the labels that was, was really what I wanted to focus in on. Them and the, uh, the Greek label Onar Films, which, who did uh, Turkish films. They did exclusively Turkish films. And um, sadly, the guy who ran that label uh, died about 11, 12 years ago. Um, so they're not around anymore. Um, but it, but in the course of doing that, I got in contact with Mondo Macabre. I think initially I talked to Andy, uh, Andy Stark, who was Pete's partner um, and who at that time was doing a lot of the technical stuff and a lot of the website stuff and a lot of the answering dumb emails from fans like me. Uh, so right. he was the first person that I talked to uh, and just and sort of developed a relationship. Um, they have let me like break the news on a few, you know, a few of their DVD releases, particularly yeah. that very heady kind of last days of the, of the DVD cult movie gold rush in like 2006 to 2008 before everything crashed in the uh the economic recession um in yeah. 2009 um so i got to so i got to know them and then um there was also a uh a message forum that was particularly um geared towards like weird cult foreign films um called cinehound it was run from greece um and it was a very international cast of you know characters of just weirdos who just found each other a lot of them like vhs collectors people who you know collect random weird whatever weird, you know in uh-huh. copies of halloween on vhs or whatever you know that so it was kind of those two groups, and it was it was a fun place to learn about like Indian Indian films or uh, Greek films or you know Turkish films, other Middle Eastern things, and that was very much what I was into at that time too. So um, and one uh, and somebody who also would join was Pete Toons and he um, he was very open. Uh, answered questions for everybody, was very interactive with everybody. Um, and I got to start, I started messaging him privately and we started talking about things a lot. And I stopped doing the blog, the World Weird Cinema blog about 2011 or so. Um, and by that time, you know, the the, the big heyday of the uh, of the DVD was done by that time. Yeah. It kind of sunk pretty low. It was before Blu-ray really came in. Um, or it was just getting started at that time. And at that time, Mondo was just doing maybe like one or two releases a year and nobody was noticing them basically. Like I would go on message forums and people had not even heard that they were doing you know, stuff like you know, Don't Open Till Christmas or Girl in Room 2A, kind of the things that they were doing at that time. Right. And so I, so I said, you know, do you want somebody to run your social media? Do you want somebody to run your blog for you? Do you want somebody to create Facebook was still fairly new. I was like, do you want somebody to create a Facebook page for you? Cause they didn't have one. They didn't really have any sort of social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so, and so, and then it just started from there. Uh, he said, yes. And we just went from there. And then about uh, 15 or so is when okay. I, I started working monetarily for, for, for them uh, and started running the website, the the web store, excuse me. And uh, and doing all their mail order and stuff like that.
1: And when did, when did the, the fan was one of the early Blu-rays, right? Does that, I, does
0: that sound? Yeah, it was, um, I think it was the third Blu-ray release. The first Blu-ray release was The Slave. The second one, the Italian movie, The Slave. The second one was uh, the British indie horror movie called The Devil's Business. Uh, okay. Of era, one of the fewer newer movies that we've done. Um, and they both just came out as, like, they didn't get limited editions. They both just came out as, like, normal retail. Uh, so the third Blu-ray that was done was exactly the fan. Yeah. And uh, it was the first Red Case release. And that was sort of my initial contribution. My idea was because Mondo had done Red Cases for their DVD releases. Uh, yeah. And thousands. And so, you know, the first Blu-rays that came out, they just came out in the normal, slim, you know, blue cases. And I thought, well, you know, for the hardcore fans who remember the red case stuff from back in the day, why don't we put out a red case edition? And we'll just sell it up directly on the website. Um and, you know, and make more money. I mean it's that's how that's how all the labels make money. Uh, sure. It's selling direct. Because you don't really make a ton of money selling through Amazon or other, you know, e-tailers. Um, so that was my idea was like, why don't we do these red case releases? Um so so yeah, so you can blame if you don't like them, you can blame me. <laughs> Anyone who's out there. <laughs> but uh, <Yeah. laughs>
1: uh, any social media channel, you're the one checking it, right? So they can find you anyway. Um yeah. <laughs> but but it's kind of a brilliant idea right because i as i speak to more and more labels one of the things that i think is super interesting is that you know these limited editions basically fund like additional work right like the urgency that these that these limited editions create equals dollars that you all can reinvest into future titles and restorations and like all these other things you do right
0: well exactly. I mean there's been a real knock-on effect from being able to successfully sell these things directly us growing and being able to do more releases per year. Um, yeah, and- I mean what a great example. Eating- anywhere you eating- have food yeah. on the table cuz that's how I <laughs> that's 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 how I make my money is directly from the website. So
1: Oh, okay. So buy from the website. Feed Jared's kids.
0: Feed Feed my cats. Uh, If you want (laughs) to keep my uh, cats fat and me fat, uh, (laughs) please continue to buy from the website. Uh,
1: Okay. So um, speaking of, I guess, more releases, one of the things that I think is super interesting is as time goes on, I feel like even for the, because you mentioned that people have to go pretty deep down, like the genre rabbit holes to find out the titles that y'all are like, to get into the titles y'all are producing and stuff. But you know, all of a sudden now you're putting out like Hiruko the Goblin, right? Like, yeah. like I wouldn't necessarily say that that's where you're uh, playing all the time now. So was, are, are you intentionally kind of getting into these like more established directors, more established catalogs? Like you have a lot of really well-known Italian directors in your catalog, right? Like, is there, are you, are you trying to do more of this now? Is there, is there kind of a, yeah, an there?
0: Well, there, are, I mean, I think there is, especially in, the, in this era, the Blu-ray era, there is a concerted effort on our part to sort of balance um, better known films with the more esoteric stuff. Okay. So, like, so, I mean, the, the Blu-ray release we did after the fan, way back in the day, was uh, Lizard in a Woman's Skin, the Lucio Fulci. Yeah, that's right. Right. So, I mean, and that was a big deal. And I think that, I think probably that turned on more people than almost any other film we've done as far as, as far as just like cluing people in who weren't previously aware of Mondo in the, in the DVD era, all the new fans that were suddenly coming in with the Blu-ray stuff uh, and were collecting mostly horror films or Italian horror films and gialli. I mean, I think that was the, really the one. And, uh, and we love the film. I mean, just as a, as a film, we just think it's great. I, it's one of my favorite Fulci films, but there was a very, I mean, I have to admit, a very calculated um, conception that, we, that it's something that was, is going to sell and increase awareness of our brand if we put this movie out.
1: And I kind of felt good for you because I think we were talking about this before we started recording, but Fulci was one of the big sort of characters that got you into a different side of cinema anyways, right?
0: It was. Yeah. I mean, Fulci was like the sort of the cult movie director that I explored first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it was a few and it was a few years into that journey until I found his more like his 70s stuff, like his Gialli and stuff. Um, But yeah, so I mean, it is very it was very exciting to I mean, I sort of, you know, I mean, I I co-produced that release. I mean, I helped put together the extras and everything. And so that was just very exciting. To to be able to be in that process for a filmmaker that, I mean it, it's it's not it's not out of the question to say that his work changed my life essentially. So um, it was it's exciting um, and we were able to do another Fulci film eventually, Perversion Story. Uh, yeah, one on top of the other, um, which is is not necessarily one of my favorites, but it's a really it is a really really good film uh, and again very exciting to uh, to put be able to put it out there.
1: What, what percentage of the time do you say that you all spend thinking about curation, I guess, right? Versus, versus you know, production and just kind of putting stuff in the pipeline.
0: I think about it a lot. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about things that I, I think we should do or we should try and do. Um, and there's a real balance there, too, because there's a balance between, you know, what you would like to do and what is available. You know, what would what you want to try and go and find and what is being offered to you. Um, and so Pete has been in the business so long that people will just contact him to say, oh, hey, we have this available. Are you interested in doing it? And that sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's even things that he's never even heard of. Uh, like we did a Greek movie called Lovers Beyond Time. Uh, it's only on DVD. It's never been a huge seller. It, and it's you know, not a masterpiece or anything, but it's a really weird, interesting little film that we have no idea about, but somebody just actively contacted us, the director himself, who was a fan and said, would you do, are you guys interested? Um, and so sure. But I mean, then and then there's just also cases where it's like, okay, we're gonna dig for years and try and find who owns these films or try for years to contact Uh, particular studios or companies just sending email after email year after year trying to get a response Um, and eventually they will you know in some cases eventually they will like video mercury in spain with they did a lot of the spanish films that we've done um, that took years of emailing and going back and forth to finally cultivate it and now they're uh, you know not only a, a company that we work regularly with but that uh, severin and Vinegar syndrome also work regularly with
1: um, yeah that i think at the first
0: day, they would not have that without us they 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 wouldn't i mean i don't know if they would think that <laughs> but we sort of you know kind of you know pioneered that connection
1: okay i'm so glad you said that so i typed this comment and you know i said before the I, I sent you a list of like some of the questions that people had and stuff you know just to kind of prepare for this and one of the ones that that people said was, you know, tell him what he's doing is amazing. I love Mono Macabro, they need to know this, right? So what I, my response was just to kind of tie into this, I said, I agree their curation game is unparalleled because they're the ones that are like deep in the jungle of obscure cinema, trying to make it easier for future labels to find good content.
0: Um, (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. That's that's awesome to hear. And that's what we want to hear for sure. I mean, that's what we're trying to do.
1: But like it's amazing to think about, okay, I, you know, this is like the most commonly cited example, right? But for your height only, for example, right? In in theory, that could easily be an arrow release, that could easily be a vinegar syndrome release, severin, whatever, right? Which one? But like, f- for your height only? Oh, oh of
0: course, <laughs> okay, yeah. The Filipino, right? yeah,
1: it Yeah, it has all the qualities that like any of these companies would be salivating over in terms of commercial viability, I think, right? Right. And um, uh, I don't know if it sold well. I just think as soon as you hear about the movie, you're like, yeah, I want to see that. <laughs> um, but, like, th- but y'all found it, right? I mean, this is what I feel like so many of your titles, but y'all found it. Like, y- you're the ones that kind of uncovered it.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, that was something that uh, Pete had done back in the old days. Uh, and I think that was, I'm not sure if he, he certainly was aware of that film because he wrote about it in the Mondo Macabre book um and i'm not sure if he went looking for it or if it was just uh a byproduct of becoming um forming a relationship with um the comp the the dick randall people the dick randall estate oh okay the, the you know the kind of legendary kind of trash producer uh sure. I mean, trash producer who worked in europe and asia uh and like the uh-huh. Um, he developed a relationship with that company. I'm kind of blanking on the the name of the company, at the Film Spectacular or something like that. I can't remember. But he so he cultivated a relationship, and we actually did several movies by them, um, including the the French Sex Murders and Girl in Room Two A and a few other things. Um, Living Doll was one back in the DVD era. Yeah. But yeah, so I honestly I don't know if that was a case of him finding them to specifically find that film or if he developed the relationship and was like, oh, you have this film, we wanna, we wanna do it.
1: I mean either way, I think it's just a great example of, you know, just just it just feels like y'all are kind of ahead of the game always in finding this content that's gonna be, you know, for the right type of fan who's basically seen a lot of, you know, Kurosawa films, right? And then they go down and, and they're like, okay, what's next? And they've seen the Leone films and then they've like you know they, they kind of start getting deeper into like you know maybe like all of a sudden you get into Nico Mastarakis a little bit and you're like okay that's pretty weird and then you start looking for like what else is out there you know and by the time you get there you're like y'all are already there and there's already a blu-ray of it or there's already a dp of it i think that's i don't know that's the part that's always been so impressive to me
0: yeah yeah i mean it, and it's getting it honestly is getting harder and harder uh to do that because i mean yeah you know, there are a lot of companies out there and a lot of them are digging in the same in the same ground that we are trying to find the same you know the uh, veins of gold um so it, it's getting harder and harder but there are still untapped areas out there um and there's still things that we're out there trying to do uh and you know still making connections all the time so
1: well, speaking of that so one of the questions i had that kind of ties into one of the questions people had about indonesian cinema that, that you put out before is you know are are the are the rights and sort of that relationship with the producers or the or the the rights holders whoever that might be and the, and the filmmakers does that vary by country does it vary by sort of like era like you know or or both <laughs> like is every time you reach out to somebody is it a completely new experience or are there some common patterns there by country? Like, how does that kind of work as you, you know, go into these different pockets of world cinema?
0: I, I mean, I think there are some broad um, patterns that can be discerned country to country, like dealing with an individual country, but really it's it's owner to owner. It, it, yeah. it really is, uh, you know, depending upon the company or sometimes it's not even a company. Sometimes it's just a grumpy old film producer uh who just who just owns movies you know and still and hasn't really even thought about them in years probably but you know so it really is a case-by-case uh basis um so i don't don't know if that really answers the question so much but yeah
1: no that makes a lot of sense when you for for the ones like let's just take indonesia for example because that's one i feel like i don't know that there's another company you know possibly um there was that big movie, The Year of the Living Dangerously. I think that that's a kind of a studio release, but I mean, there's not a lot of like well-known cinema coming out of Indonesia, right? But it seems like y'all have a fair amount, at least in your DVD collection. Uh, and one, one of the questions was, are y'all planning on releasing some of these films on Blu-ray? Are, are you able to kind of speak to that at all? Is that an area where you're going back to at all?
0: Um, <laughs> I can say maybe. Okay. Uh, I mean, I I can't I I mean, it's not that I want to be really coy about it. It's just that we don't have a deal in place at the moment, but it's possible that we will. Um, We do have a long-standing relationship with Rappy Films. Um, They're the ones that do Mystics in Bali and The Warrior and Virgins from Hell um, and a few other films, and we know that they have. HD masters for a lot of stuff now. Yeah. Um, in fact, if you, um, in fact, I, I mean, we aren't the only ones who have done Indonesian films. Severin have done, uh, they did Primitives and uh, Satan's Slave. Um, if, you are, if you've gotten those or are familiar with those. That's
1: right. Now that you say that, I do remember they took it In up.
0: fact, um, going back to the previous point, they got that connection through Pete. Um, David Gregory, the head of Severin, has known, they've known each other. I mean, Pete says he's known David since he was a kid. So I, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how, but maybe like since he was a teenager. They've, so they've known each other a long time. And he w- and it was Pete who set David up with that, that contact with those movies out. On Blu-ray with, you know, nice new HD transfers. So it is possible, but uh, we, we haven't done the deal yet. Uh, and of course, the one that everyone is, is always going to ask about, and it was even the first one that you listed on your question, is Lady Terminator. And I can say we have no plans for that, unfortunately. Um, that's not yeah. owned by Rappy Films. That's owned by something somebody else, who's maybe not personality-wise necessarily. I don't know, not nothing like that, but more difficult to deal with okay. uh, in terms of like money and materials and and you know and things like that. So.
1: Well, one of the, the, the things I thought was so interesting is I remember the, the range and you don't have to answer specifics, you know, everybody has a different comfort level with this. But when you actually talk about the cost of acquiring the rights to these movies, I've heard crazy things as low as like two thousand dollars for a set of five movies with the agreement that you're going to put all five out all the way up to Peter Jackson asking for essentially like 150,000 a movie, you know, for his older like kind of uh, early horror films. That just seems crazy to me. Like, is there at least a range that y'all are typically within? There, there's, like,
0: there's a range. It's more towards that bottom, that, yeah. <laughs> that bottom number. Although two thousand dollars for five, films, I, I I have never heard of anything so cheap. Um, but uh, it's it's closer to that than uh, than a hundred thousand. Although I am aware of certain companies paying that much for some films we don't we that's way out of our league um but um and I, you know i don't i you know obviously i can't really speak any more specifically about it but it definitely is in that range um that's that's closer to you know to the to the five to 15 that's cool
1: yeah it's, it, i appreciate even that it's just interesting more than anything else to think about some of the business side behind this right um, speaking of the business side, I'm curious, just to go back really quickly, I meant to ask this when you talked about the red cases. So, uh, you know, pretty much across industries right now, across food and toilet papers and everything, they're talking about supply chain shortages, right? Oh, yeah. So are you kicking yourself during COVID that you have red cases to put out or is that and that's been impacted? by
0: Well, the good thing is, is we um, bought uh, just a ton of them. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. okay. So yeah, so we we have, as far as I know, we're well supplied with those, probably uh-huh. for another year or so. We know though that though that those are going to run out eventually. Um, we thought they were going to run. We thought probably I guess a couple of times now that they were going to run out, um, but we've been able to source more of them. So, but I'm I'm guessing that eventually we will run out and have to. F- they have to figure out something else, yeah. Slip covers. Yeah. yes, we'll, we'll do slip covers.
1: <laughs> yeah, slip covers, there you go, yeah, exactly. That's funny. Um, uh, okay, so in, is, as you progressively seen like crazier and crazier stuff and, and put out, you know, crazier stuff uh, in terms of content of the films, is, is it possible that you're shocked anymore? Is there any, is, 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 is it possible for you to be shocked anymore?
0: Well, I mean, I mean a little bit. I don't know what, exactly what you mean by shocked. I mean, I don't get shocked by con. I mean, sometimes I'm shocked as in like you know, you know, I don't know. Uh, but there's one every once in a while. Like I, we did the movie Blood Spattered Bride, um, which is a great film, but I hadn't seen it in years, and I watched it once we got it. And I'm not heavily involved in the production of things, so that's mostly. Um, so mm-hmm. really often I won't see that until I get the final product in my hands. And, you know, I watched that movie um, with my wife. She watches all the mundo stuff. She's, she's very cool. She really likes to uh, see these cult movies. There's one thing she doesn't like, and that's animal cruelty and animal death. Oh, yeah. um, and there was, there is an instance of really horrible animal uh cruelty in that film. And so that is shocking. I'm not exactly sure if that's precisely what you mean, but that's like, I mean, that is the one thing that shocks me as far as being like, I don't wanna say offended because it doesn't offend me necessarily, but it's not something I wanna see. Um,
1: yeah, it's, it's animal, animal is the line. It's so funny that, right? Cause that's, uh, I, I'm kind of similar to that. Like within reason, I mean, I don't like to watch people actually getting tortured or something, but like within, reason it it takes a lot to kind of bug me as far as something happening to another human on screen but um but animal stuff is almost instantly i'm like nope 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 fast forwarding (laughs) i don't need to see this um yeah anyways that that was i was just curious what the answer was um i i as anyways i i feel like it's a pretty universal uh, uh sentiment which is speaks well to the the human connection to animals, I guess. It's... Yeah. Ended up with another human getting almost anything happening to them, but <laughs> don't mess with the animals. Well, I
0: guess if you mean, like, shocked as in, like, oh, my God, what a weird movie. Uh, I mean, that does happen, too, um, with stuff. Uh, probably one of the most recent cases that... I mean, it's a couple of years old now, but the movie Killer of Dolls um, just shocked me with just how outrageously strange and unusual I was. So, I mean, these things can... I mean, you know, I'm still surprised by even movies that we put out. Um, I had not seen that movie previous to us putting it out, Um, so it's there's still surprises to be had for sure. (laughs)
1: That's good. Okay, so speaking to Jared, the the fan, not necessarily Jared the employee, to the extent that you can separate these two, do do you have a release that like just a personal release for you that you're like, oh, if we ever get to put this out, like that'll be my kind of holy grail or whatever.
0: Oh, like a movie that we haven't done that I would, that I would like for just, us. You know, blank slate. Like this is the movie I, I would. Like to. Yeah. If I had to, if I had to release one, if I could pick one movie that I would want to release and do a decked out special edition of, it would be the, um, the early eighties Hong Kong horror film, Boxer's Omen. Um, the Shaw brothers film. Uh, yeah. yeah. Do you know that movie?
1: I, I love Shaw brothers stuff. I just, I haven't seen that one yet.
0: Yeah. It's it's one that's not coming out on Blu-ray yet. Um, I can't imagine that at least eighty-eight or Arrow, who are who both now have relationships with uh, Celestial, who owns all the Shaw Brothers, mm-hmm. stuff, I can't imagine that they one of them won't do it. Um, but it is just it's just this utterly psychedelic, just insane, just horror film with a few martial arts aspects to it. <laughs> um, and, and, our, and crazy buddhist themes and everything it just is really one of the strangest one of the most wild films ever um um and in fact an image from it graces the cover of the uk edition of the macabro book if anyone if any if you've ever seen that not the u.s which has low the the chinese actor low lay on the cover but the uh, the UK edition has uh, a really wild image, um, and it's just it's just one. I'm a big 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 fan of Hong Kong movies, and it's uh, that is, is probably my favorite Hong Kong film period. So and and it fits it would fit very well within our our brand. So yeah, if I could pick one film, uh, it would be that. Sadly, Celestial has never returned our email. So, so 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 we've never we've tried. We we. So have,
1: cool. if if you're listening, Celestial, pick up the phone. <laughs> you yeah, want to put out your phone. yeah right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that that's that's sort of the the white whale for me. Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: awesome. Uh Okay, wonderful. I I need to trace it down. Is it? I'm sure it has a DVD release at least from Tartan yeah, Asia guess,
0: um, in the 2000s. Image was doing a bunch of those Shaw Brothers. Yeah. So they they have it i mean i think it's it might be long out of prints or something that they just have available as like a dvdr uh made on and uh, you know made on demand thing um mm-hmm. which is what they went to after a while um but you can probably still find it but like i say i i can't imagine arrow or 88 won't do it eventually um okay. Okay. It, might, it might be worth it just to wait um
1: okay well I, let's do a let's do a, a tiny a quick fire segment here with very direct questions okay and if the answers can't talk about it that's totally fine you ready yeah uh what's the release date for dr caligari <laughs> uh, the,
0: uh, uh tbd to be determined yeah we okay. i middle of the year maybe around maybe the next halloween sale in october in this upcoming october we're not sure yet.
1: okay uh can you give any detail about the specifically future Japanese releases? Uh, I don't know. I guess that's kind of an open-ended question, but do you yeah. have more stuff coming up? Well, we,
0: at the end of the year, I did a sort of, um, I announced a few sort of things that we were gonna be working on over the next course, the course of the next year. And one of them was a Japanese film, uh, a film from 1965 called Ghost of the Hunchback, um, which is a really weird uh, horror Horror film film. uh i mean obviously um that's it's it's you can tell the filmmakers were very inspired by uh, a lot of the early 60s italian gothic horrors specifically uh and in fact for years the only way you could see it was through an italian dubbed um vhs copy that somebody had subtitled from italian into english um but um you know we've uh, we've worked with a licensor and it's uh it's going to be you know in a in actual Japanese and everything so very uh, that was that was one of the films that I pursued uh um so I'm very excited about that one and, and there'll be another I at the same time as the as I uh licensed that I licensed a different one another uh horror film from Toei Studios at the same time but I'll I'm going to keep that one under wraps.
1: That, it's a nice teaser, though, another toy horror film. I know they, they put out a lot, but still, that, that'll get the uh, imagination going. Um, okay, and then, actually, that that did make me... I, I think that's pretty much all of, Oh, specifically, there's a Filipino film called Snake Sisters um, that, that was rumored. Uh, can you confirm or deny those
0: rumors? Oh, I mean, that one's tough. Um, that was announced years ago, back in the DVD era. And, in fact, if you go to even to our... Um, to any of our discs that have the more from Mondo Macabro and the extras, the little, like the little, it's not quite a trailer reel, but a little like a clip reel. Um uh-huh. so sister still leads that off. Uh, I've asked Pete to take that off and it's never happened because that's not gonna happen. We're never going to release that film, unfortunately. Okay. okay. As to why materials are part of it, but that's not the whole story. Um, there are quasi legal issues concerning the film that I really can't go into. Um, so I, I, it, it's a sad thing because it, I've seen it. The movie is fantastic. It's really original. There's really not another movie like it. Um, okay. And it's sad that it's still sort of put out there as something we're doing because we we will not be doing it because sort of categorically will not be doing it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, no, never say never, but that sounds pretty definite. <laughs>
0: so. uh, yeah, and it makes believe me. I say that with a heavy heart. Um, yeah. So, but but if anyone is interested in that movie, please check out the other Filipino movie that we've released if you haven't. Silip, Silip, uh, Daughters of Eve, which is um, my. I I, th- I think I have two two or three favorites, and that is one of them of films that we've done. So. Uh, it's an extraordinary movie. Yeah,
1: I praise That was actually out in the last like two or three months, right?
0: It was out more in the the uh, kind of middle of last year.
1: Yeah. Okay, maybe six months. And time, time's kind of running together. Okay, but yeah. I remember when that. I remember that re- announcement actually. Yeah. Um, what? Then the only other one. This is more of a personal one. I feel like, and, and you know, again, maybe this is just perception on my part, but I've been collecting since two thousand one uh that's the days when you basically everybody was releasing everything right large editions large prints whatever people mm-hmm. were snatching up a bunch of stuff and then like you said it had this big dip um but it feels like from my perspective that there's more people getting in the game uh more more obscure stuff coming out that hasn't been released in 15 years 20 years If it, it sometimes didn't even have a dvd release um it, it feels in a big way like it's kind of coming back maybe in smaller numbers but things are really kind of coming back, and, and people are willing to take some creative risks now uh, in, in terms of releasing. So, that's, you know, I, I do want to talk about that for a second, but really quickly, part of that is I see more and more box sets coming out. And I was wondering if that's something that y'all were ever going to get into kind of in a, in a more serious way, where just more like the hard box or, you know, those kind of box sets.
0: We will be doing a box set in 2022.
1: Oh, there
0: we go. Okay, great. Uh, first ever. Yeah, we will be doing that. Yeah.
1: It, is that tied to kind of my first question? Kind of the, or, or is it just coincidence that just the, the, the um, material?
0: There's just a set of films that we have that um, you know go easily. They're all, all from the same licensor, all from the same country. All just, you know, it's something that goes together well. Um, the economics of it just works out that it makes sense for us to release them in one set. And honestly, that's a big part of it is, you know, is the, the economics of doing box sets. Um, sure. We're sort of work at a smaller level than a lot of the other labels. Um, but the fact that so many box sets have been so, seemingly so successful um, for other labels has really driven, I, you know, driven me to suggest that, you know, hey, we have these films that would work together as a box set, why don't we do it? Um, so, so yeah. So, there is, there definitely, we are crest, There the wave is cresting right now um, as to the sort of the, what you were speaking to before as just to the popularity of things right now. I mean, you're absolutely dead on. It's, it's really come back and fervent in a way that it wasn't in the 2000 DVD heyday. You know, um, it was you know, it's, which is good and bad, Uh, but, but you are absolutely correct. Things are really cresting right now. And it's, there's a lot of stuff coming and a lot of possibilities and, you know, and we'll be just lay it on the line, a lot of money to be had. You know, you know, not nobody's getting rich, but people are making money doing this now. So it's, it's, it's an interesting time.
1: And also, I'm so glad you used the word fervent because that's the thing that I think back in 2002, three, four was when I was probably the the biggest uh, round the first time. And I felt like there was such a wide variety. You know, you would go to like, at that time, I think it was uh, DVD Beaver and there was another one. Um, uh, Shoot. Um, There was another website. The guy named Bill ran it. He might still even run it. Uh, but they tried to capture every single DVD release that came out, and um, oh, it's, I can't believe I spent every day of my life on this site for three <laughs> years. It'll come back to me here in a second, yeah, sure. but yeah. they, you know, it was hard to kind of focus, because there was just so much coming out, and there was so many cool additions coming out, and big boxes, and whatever. It, it was just kind of all over the place, but I feel like this time it's become a little bit more focused maybe towards the boutique area instead of like the big studios doing it. And so it's able to be, you know, like when people are excited for the new Severn Al Adamson box set or, or, you know, whatever, that's like, it kind of catches people's attention for a few weeks and then everybody gets it and it sells out and they're on like, what's the next one? <laughs> you know, it has it, it, like a different vibe to it.
0: Yeah, there's very much a flavor of the flavor of the week kind of thing going on. Um, but it is, it's, it's exciting. And I think social media has a lot to do with that. Um, the, there's just places where it's, you know, you can be on a social media site and it's a good, there are even a good few sites that are able to sort of centralize a lot of that information, a lot of the and announcements and things it's, it's, it's easier to keep track of than it was back in the 2000s. Now, um, I mean, that was one of the things that I did with the blog that I mentioned earlier was I just, I tried to sort of get news from everywhere all across the web and sort of put it in one place for specific kinds of movies, these sort of foreign cult films. And now that's just sort of everywhere. I mean, that's just, there's, you know, there's 20 different sites on Facebook that will do exactly that, you know? So.
1: Yeah, it's exciting though, I I like it. I'm glad to hear that y'all see it as well. I mean, as far as you specifically, but also, Like the more general you on the on the publishing side, uh, the production side, because it certainly feels that way from here. Are are you selling out of these limited editions as as they come out now? Are you are are they selling well?
0: Generally speaking, yeah, for the most part, yeah. Um, Some you know, obviously, some sell better than others. Um, Some we don't. Some we put out, and we're like, yeah, this is really gonna sell. And then it sort of flops. Um, You know, it sells. They sell out eventually. They always will because there are a limited number of them. Um, But and it's hard to tell. The most recent one that was kind of curious for us was uh, "Designated Victim," which is Italian, sort of giallo, giallo with a sort of it's sort of vaguely based on Hitchcock's "Strangers on a Train." Uh, And it's a great movie as Thomas Millian, and it's and it's a really moody um elegant film um and we thought you know giallo connection italian early 70s money in the bank right not really yeah yeah we we did 1500 of the limited editions and um you know i still have about 120 left so um um but on the other hand the retail it sold pretty well so when it came out in retail maybe it was just that people didn't want to take the chance on spending you know 30 dollars on a on a, on the retail edition, so but you know, or, or on the limited edition, right,
1: right, right. Interesting. It's hard to tell. Uh, well, it, I, I just have a, you know, again, I'm just one person. But uh, re- reading the tea leaves, it feels like Mondo Macabro is about to have a big year, and I do hope that happens for y'all because more and more buzz on. I, you know, I'm pretty active on boutique Blu-ray and DVD collection, uh, a few of these subreddits that have a couple hundred thousand members, or or at least tens of thousands of members, and like it feels like more and more there's excitement around, oh, look at Mondo's new announcements or like the, I forget if it was the December or January, excuse me, like the bundle that had, you know, here's the four that came out with Succubus and School of Death and Laughing Woman and Hiroko. Like, so, you know, you see, like to your point on social, you see this pop up, you see people get it. People are, oh, I'm so excited about what Mondo's doing. So it just kind of feels like this buzz is like, people are just waiting to kind of start buying your stuff. So I hope that happens. Last question I had, I'm just curious because you're obviously so heavy into physical media. Uh, and if you already do this and I didn't see it, deep apologies. Are you getting into the streaming game in a big way at all? Or is that something that y'all are thinking about?
0: You know, we've been really hesitant to. Okay. to um, I mean, for one thing, we, we don't always negotiate for those rights. Usually, when we're getting rights for films, we're just getting physical media rights solely. Mm-hmm um uh, sometimes we do i mean we do have some things um that are we that is just bundled in or we might you know there are a few films we essentially uh own in perpetuity that we could put on streaming platforms but we've been hesitant to do it just because there's just no money in it there really there really isn't um so and we feel like if something is available to stream easily on a platform, is that going to make people less likely to want to buy our Blu-ray and mm. you know, something that's, you know, actually going to make a little bit of money. So that's why. Um, but we're not completely opposed to it. We, we Pete and I talk about it about every but once a year or so. We do yeah. talk about it and we get we both get emails of people who are you know interested in what interested in doing some of the films. And like I say, sometimes we just can't because we don't have those rights. Um, yeah, sure. But eventually we will. Um, Dr. Caligari is a good, good example. We own that film now. Um, so that is ours that we can do whatever we want with. We have worldwide rights. Uh, and so we're gonna do some theatrical stuff with that. Um, and probably it will end up on some streaming platforms eventually. Um, but, you know, the, the physical release will be the, the, you know, the main focus of our attention.
1: Well, I am in, in my day job, I'm in a, a training course right now, kind of a management type training course, I guess. And I'm, it's sponsored by Harvard. And they did a bunch of research into uh, companies that sort of adapt and, and, and change, you know, well over time. <laughs> and one of the things that they, is, is consistent with, with all these brands and, and companies is the ability to test and, like, the willingness to test. So maybe maybe Dr. Caligari is the one that you test and kind of see, put your toe in the water a little bit and see how it, see how it goes.
0: Yeah, um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I think we're, both Pete and I are both sort of old school in that fact, in that sort of thing. I mean, I use streaming just like everybody, but, you know, I'm a physical media guy, um, which is why I got into this business. So, yeah. So it's, you know, we're both sort of stubborn and old fashioned in that way. So, but... It's something you have to deal with. It is, it is, it is, you know, the elephant in the room as far as cinema is concerned. Every, everything is streaming now. I mean, so We can't ignore it for
1: Speaking of, uh, th- thank you for willing to go down that rabbit hole with me. Speaking of, of you being a collector yourself, where do you store your collection? Is it in boxes? Is it on shelf? Where do you have it?
0: Well, I, we just bought a house in May um, of this year. And one of the things that we were looking for was a room that I could specifically put up shelves and have enough room to put up like everything that I have. Um, so, and we did that. So, so, so we bought a house. There's a room upstairs that um, we hired somebody cause I'm not handy really at all. We hired, to put up shelves for us and uh and it's sort of my happy place. I just sort of sometimes go up there and just walk walk the shelves and just sort of dust the movies and just sort of, you know, look at them and everything. Look at my, look at my complete Mondo Macabro collection and, you know, just admire it, you know. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. A room, a room pretty much solely dedicated to it, yeah.
1: Oh, that's amazing. I love it. My wife thinks I'm crazy sometimes because I'll go in and I'll just, like, like kind of run my hand
0: along stuff and pull stuff out, just like kind of play with it. Just like, are you? That's the are kind you of magic? the great thing about physical media is the sort of tactile sensation of itself. You know,
1: I love it. Um, are there are, are there other labels that you're big on collecting outside of Mondo Macabro?
0: Well, oh yeah, of course. Um, I mean, uh, going going back to the DVD era, I, the the Something Weird releases. You know, Something Weird Video. Yeah. Kind of the official things they did through Image. Uh, I'm a yeah. collector of those. I'm not really necessarily seeking a complete collection because it, there's just so much of it. But that is something that I, you know, always. You know, every once in a while we'll go on eBay and try to find things that I don't have. So that's a big thing that I still collect. Um, and and was another big inspiration for me early on. Um, something weird. So that.
1: Oh, sorry. I, I love something weird, and they they're partnered pretty closely with Agfa now, right? Sure, yeah, And that guy, his last name is escaping me right now, but he's passed on. But his wife is now kind of keeping that Mike, alive. Theory.
0: Mike vrainy was the guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And his um and his wife is a good friend of mine, Lisa Petrucci. Um, it's Petrucci. really sad because they are based in Seattle. Um, and there were two times that I was room is Mike Franey and neglected to talk to him uh just I'm kind of a shy guy to be honest and one of once it was a a comic book store um that I just happened to be in and he went in and he was like I think he was like selling a bunch of his old comics because he was a big time comic book collector Uh, and so and I I really wanted to go up to him and do like something weird video you know um but he was having a conversation with somebody and and um I didn't want to interrupt and there was another thing where he sort of gave a talk about Grindhouse Cinema um at the uh the Fanagraphics bookstore in Seattle
1: okay
0: um and again there was just so many people there um I just you know I didn't want to get I don't I just didn't and of course I came to really regret that because he did die Um, um and it, which was very, very—I—that I, that hit me hard because he's someone I, I really looked up to. Um, but like I say, I have gotten to know his wife, and we—and it turns out we uh, before I moved and bought before we moved to Olympia, we both lived in the same neighborhood. Actually, no way. Yeah. So yeah, and actually, there's lots of weird cult movie people who have lived in that neighborhood too. It's it's sort of weird. Norm Hill, who, uh, who ran Subversive and worked for uh, Anchor Bay uh, and did a lot of work with the, getting a lot of the David Lynch movies on DVD back at early days. He also is lived in this, this neighborhood in Seattle um, and, and and then a few other people too, but it, it that's, that's a tangent, but, um, but yeah, something weird is is hugely important to me and it's. Um, um, I'm really happy that I've gotten to know Lisa. She's a, she's a good friend now, and she's a, she's a really interesting person. And, and uh, we actually did a something weird release. So, um,
1: well, which title was it? I want to make sure I put that.
0: The Ravager and the Bushwhacker. Okay. <laughs> not, not, not great movies by any means, both sort of uh, late 60s, early 70s roughies that were almost like proto slashers. Um, that um, I just bought the prints off of Lisa and had Agfa uh, do that. Right. And we did have a, a 1000 Blu-ray edition, one of our worst selling <laughs> releases.
1: <laughs> well, I'll go find it though. I, You know, the thing that I love about that is like, okay, so recently with um, through the vinegar syndrome kind of partnership or, you know, whatever the, the partner partnership that they have there, um, I got an early copy of Bad Pussy and I'm just, I, I put it in, not really fully knowing what to expect. Something about, have you seen that movie, by the way? I haven't.
0: I've been scared. <laughs>
1: it's, so awesome. it, it's just, I mean, it's essentially, I don't know how long it is, an hour or whatever. And, you know, 55 minutes is just this this kind of old older couple rolling around, sort of having sex, hurling like nasty insults at each other. like Like yeah. super harsh, like terrible things they're saying to each other. And about, it took me a few minutes to adjust, but I was like howling, like the movie's amazing. <laughs> and I, I think there's something about a lot of those, something weird, you know, cause Alan Madras here in Austin used to host a lot of there. They had something thing called weird Wednesdays. They would host a lot of their movies there. And there's something about those movies. I think by the time you see your third or fourth one, like they don't all have to be good. There's, that's not really the reason you go. Like there's just, it's kind of, I don't know, like, it's just you get kind of sucked up in this world a little bit. Of these are people's like passion projects and like a lot of home video stuff, and like a lot of eight millimeter. It's just like a whole other world that you don't have exposure to otherwise. And I really, anyways, I really love it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's fun, you know. Bat Pussy was made in Texas, where you, I mean, did you do you realize that? Yeah, then that, that, that it's it's one of the that's actually one of the most fun sort of areas that something weird uncovered. Was all the tech exploitation um, films, uh, yeah, of which that was of which that was one.
1: There's oil money here, so there's some wacky stuff that I, I, who knows how these things got financed. But um, uh, anyways, well, look, I, I asked you for thirty minutes. I think we wound up speaking more than an hour. I uh, it, I find it very easy to talk to you. So sorry that I kind of went over. Oh no. Um, no. Okay, all right. I appreciate that. Uh, look, I, honestly, like I, I, that's, I mean, that's, you know, you've answered everything. I, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, wh- what is something that people should know about what's coming up next or, or just kind of like, you know, uh, can you talk at all about, you know, hyping out? This will come out in, so we're recording on the 19th. This will be out by probably most likely three Fridays from now. So let's just call it like early February. Oh, cool. Um, so is there anything going on that you want to make sure people are kind of pointed to?
0: Um, I think uh, just the, the, I think the next Mondo Macabro Red Case pre-order set will be out, mm-hmm. will be sometime in mid to late March. Um, and it looks like it's going to be three releases. So that would be Hotel Fear, uh, which is a late 70s Jallo, uh, Strangler versus Strangler, which is a Serbian, let I me mean, talk about the esoteric. It's, it's an 80s Serbian new wave black comedy thriller. Wow. Yeah, Definitely oh. the kind of thing no one else is going to be doing. Uh, sure. um, and then also a, a collection of short films by Bernard Mandico, who did Wild Boys, um, yeah. Altered Innocence, oh. some of their stuff. And in fact, is this is sort of a co, co-production deal with altered innocence so we're doing uh like a collection of his short films it's called apocalypse after and if anyone is unfamiliar with that stuff um they are just the most surreal wild things you you'll ever see they're really really interesting um i hope people don't sleep on this one because it's going to be a really cool really unusual release so Those will be on our next three releases, uh, and then probably another three or four will happen not too long after, in probably May or June.
1: Okay, awesome. Well, Jared, thank you so much for the time. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Of course.